Hello, thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance his kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. I'm so glad you're here on Father's Day. There's many places you could be, but I think God knows you're here and God's excited that you're here this morning. And uh, it may be Father's Day, but I feel like this morning, this word is going to continually move you closer and closer in discovering your purpose in what God has for you. So how many of you feel like through the, through the time of this series, you have had a little bit more clarity to your purpose? How many of you, on the other hand, say, Pastor, it's as cloudy as ever? <laughs> right? We, we know sometimes it's difficult to figure out our purpose, but this morning... Um, we're going to keep diving in. I hope that by the end of this series, it has kind of catapulted you forward in discovering what your purpose is. How many of you, when you were young, somebody asked you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Did anybody not get asked that? Let me try that. You didn't get asked what you want to be when you grow up? Okay, so, so normally that is a question that, that we ask to a younger person or person trying to figure it out. Um, and most of us were probably asked at a premature age where we didn't understand what we could be, what we couldn't be. Um, but I'm going to come back to that question in just a moment. So during this series so far, we've looked at a handful of things. We first looked at what? Our design, knowing that we have a shape, that God has built us a specific way, that while we were in our mother's womb, before we were even birthed or created, he formed and fashioned us in a way that he designed us to be. You got that? You're not broke, you're not messed up, you're perfect. You're exactly the shape that God wants you to be. You may be a little uglier or a little prettier. Come on. But you're just like God wanted you to be. And he saw a masterpiece when he created you. Then week two, we determined that, that God gives us good, good gifts, right? He doesn't give us junk, he gives us good things. And, and he predetermines, he determines what those gifts are. You know, we would love to pick all the gifts, right? But he determines what gifts we get. And God does not make junk, and he doesn't give junk. He gives good gifts. He determines what we're going to get. So this week, we're going to unpack, we're going to discover a little bit more how our shape, how our determined gifts complement other gifts, other people, connecting to the big picture of what God wants. So this, this morning, we're going to unbox what we've learned, we're going to continue to use those, and we're going to hopefully achieve our purpose as we continue to move forward. So the discovering of your gift, it is doing something on purpose, right? Purpose is not something that we passively just sit around, we don't do anything, but what are you going to do with your purpose, so this is the part of the series that really is cool because we begin to apply what we've learned. How many of you remember school when you had the lecture and then you had the what? The lab. You had the application of what you learned. That was my favorite part. That's when it made sense. If I don't have a lab, why in the world are you giving me a lecture? So that's the big picture. We get the information. We get the content. We understand what God is saying. But this is the part in this series where we begin to get to work. We understand our design. We understand our gifts. And now guess what? Now we start using them and partnering them with other people to see what they really, really look like. So back to that question that I started with. Uh, and I'm going to make a strong statement this morning that you cannot be whatever you want to be. But you can be all that God wants you to be. Because I think sometimes we get that backwards, we get that messed up, we look at that and we, we think, I can be whatever I want. And a lot of us were lied to. 
As, as, a young, as a young person, maybe you said, I want to be an astronaut. I want to be an NBA basketball player that can dunk. Man, <laughs> a little shy of the goal, right? And if I'm five flat, I mean, I know some people say, oh, I can get there, Pastor. I can get there. But the likelihood of you being built for that. I used an example in that first week about a football player. He was built for it, 6'4", 240, 250, man, mean. And that dude was built for that. So you can't be whatever you want to be, but you can be all that God has called you to be. I want you to know that. So we got to determine and figure out what that is. We must discover what it is that God wants us to be and then work hard at developing that. Don't try to be something you're not. Don't put all your time into things that you're not called to be. Focus on what you're called to be and work on that. You know, I was listening to a podcast this week, and he was talking about, uh, you know, do you enjoy what you're doing? You know, are you doing what you've been created to do? And he said the majority of people are not doing the things that they're passionate about, and it blew his mind. He said, why would we spend a lifetime doing things we hate? All of you are like, man, that's a great question. I'm right there, Pastor, right? We're in that, in that moment of not doing what we've been called to do. And let me tell you what, guys, it's not always about the money. It's not always about, you know, what the security that it provides. The most important thing really is that you figure out what God wants you to do. And then we use work or employment as the catalyst to be able to enable us to do what we've been called to do. You know, they say, how do you determine what you're called to do or what you're passionate about? What would you do for free of charge and not get paid for it? I'll tell you what, way before Pastor Noe had the chance to do full-time ministry, I would have done full-time ministry the rest of my life, even if I'm not in a full-time position and paid by a church to do it. I was built for it. I was passionate about it. I'm excited about it. Now, guess what? Man, I have arrived at the dream of what God has. And, you know, I'll remind myself of that often, even when I have a bad week. So this week, on Thursday... I had my message 20, or I had 20 minutes left to finish the whole thing, and you know what happened? The power cycled. I lost my whole message. Hmm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Devil was one coming out of me in that moment. Internet was down. We're having internet issues this morning. Like, it was one of those weeks that it, it makes me frustrated and almost, like, I get this close, and then I'm like, nah, it's still worth it. To where you get so frustrated in the job or doing what you're doing that you can get dissatisfied or get irritated and be like, well... I'm just mad, and there's, but I tell you what, when you're built for it, you never think about quitting. Now, I'll tell you what, I should have listened to wisdom because I almost printed a hard copy that midday, and I should have done that. And somebody said, well, what about the autosave? I said, I checked the autosave. I checked everywhere. Didn't save it for whatever reason. So today's message looks nothing like the first one. I couldn't recreate it. I couldn't rebuild it. I think some of the scriptures are the same. And uh, somebody made a joke, said, well, maybe God wanted to change your message. I said, well, if he did, he should have told me on Wednesday. <laughs> the method, method of changing your message is not to delete it on Thursday. All right. So even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, if you're doing something you love to do and you're passionate about, I just shrugged my shoulder. I said, well, we'll build another message. It's not something I'm not familiar with doing. I just don't necessarily like doing two full messages in one week. But when you love it, you just roll with the punches yeah, you do what you were called to do. So we work hard and we develop that which God has called us to. Um, this morning, I, I want to challenge you that maybe it's not what you do as a career in life that is the, of the utmost importance, but it is your life's purpose that guides everything. 
Because most of the time we will say, you know, we ask somebody, hey, what do you do for a living? And if you're an engineer, then guess what? I guess you're an engineer, right? Or, hey, you're a teacher, so you're a teacher. Well, we need to begin to reverse the process and realize that we have a purpose in Christ first that kind of operates in a career field, right? I can be a Christian who just so happens is a teacher, I can be a Christian who just so happens got his engineering degree and is an engineer, but I'm a Christian first, I'm an engineer second. Because we want the catalyst, what's in our heart, to flavor everything we do. We don't need to define ourselves as that job, because what happens when you get fired from that job? I used to be an engineer. I used to be a teacher. I used to be this and I used to be that because we put everything in our identity in what our career is and not what God has put within us. Well, let me tell you what, what God puts inside of you never changes. If anything, it grows. You know, you know how when you do a job long enough, you get really good at it? It's the same thing. The longer I'm a Christian, the more I should look like one. The more I should reflect that of Christ. I would challenge you if, if you have not grown and you were at the same place, that you are when you first receive salvation, something's not working right, um, or you're not putting in the time developing, or you're just not allowing God access to every area of your life. I'm just going to tell you that, because you should look nothing like you did on day one. Now, I think there is a misconception that, well, I'm saved by grace, I'm going to make it to heaven, and we just cross into the line of salvation, but we don't grow to become Christ-like. Now, if you receive salvation today and you die tomorrow, thanks God, you're going to heaven. But if we give in enough time to follow, be a follower of Christ, does following require movement? You know, it'd be like chasing God. And your market said, go, I'm just playing. I'm going to stay right here at the line. Come on. We're supposed to follow God, pursue after God. We shouldn't stay on the starting line. That absolutely makes no sense in our purpose. So your purpose is found in Christ. Your career is, guess what, found in Christ first. Now, every job that I've had before I arrived at my, what I call my dream, my passion, what I was built for, God taught me something in every single situation, or he had somebody for me to impact. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't a, it wasn't a moment of like, wow, Lord, thanks for wasting my time. Let me get about the real purpose. You have to realize that where you're at right now, God is using that to cultivate what he needs for you to fulfill your long, lifelong purpose. How many of you are fed up with where you're at? How many of you have learned what God's showing you in that moment? If you shrugged, she's like, that's probably maybe not, right? We need to say, Lord, what are you showing me? What do you need me to learn? And I think the quicker we learn that or we see the value in that, it'll either make us endure until God gives us another season or it'll figure out we figured it out and he lets us off the ride. It's the merry-go-round of life, right? Lord, I've had enough of this. Let me off. Learn your lesson. Don't walk around the mountain more than once. All right? So this morning, let's ask the question, what is in the box? Now this morning, th this, this one is going to help clarify your purpose, your design, and your plan. And many of us have always, and I hope that you've at least done one of these in your life, um, but, but how many of you have ever put one of these together? Puzzle, right? How many of you love puzzles? How many of you hate puzzles? Now, let me tell you what. I had my daughter put this puzzle together, and I said I need it for an illustration, and I don't tell my kids because I don't want them to ruin the illustration. But when we look at this puzzle, we have to realize that in this box 
there's 100 pieces. Now, when we look at just one piece, the, the sad thing is a lot of us get really, really excited about our one piece. We say, look at this one piece. It's so spectacular. It's so wonderful. Look, it has a little bit of the penguin's beak so you can actually see what it is. How many of you hate the pieces that are like over here? And you're like, sky, 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 blue, 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 blue. And you can't define what it is. And if you, that's your piece of the puzzle, you're really discouraged and you're really depressed and you're really frustrated because it doesn't look like much. Is one side of that coin. But some of you are kind of pridefully arrogant in the piece that you contribute and you're all caught up in your little piece. When we focus on that one little piece, we miss the big picture of what God wanted. Right? So when we begin to discover our purpose and our design and our shape, guess what? First, you got to get it out of the box. If I leave it in the box, it will never become anything great. That's your design. And then realizing, but pretend this was a really good puzzle, not a cheap puzzle, right? A high-quality image. If you've ever, you know, I took an art class in college, and I learned about brush strokes and texture, and I t- it changed my life. I used to look at, look at pictures and be like, it's just a picture. It's just a painting, but if you look at really, really good art, you see the shadowing and the texture, and if you get real close, you can't really see it in its magnitude, but if you stand back and look in the right lighting, it is a majestic masterpiece, you know, and you realize that, guess what, there had to have been a creator, you know, there had to be a purpose, and let me tell you what, God has determined what the image and the picture should look like. So let me tell you what, this was not on purpose, this was 100% accident, but as my daughter put this puzzle together, look what was missing. Ooh, this drives me nuts. Anytime that I put a puzzle together and it is missing one piece, I lose my religion. (laughs) Throw it away, get rid of it, it is missing one piece. And then I got the picture of what God wanted me to reveal this morning. Sometimes you are that one piece. And everybody is in their place. And guess what? How many of you love putting the last piece in the puzzle? Why do we like that? It's easy. We know where it goes. We're super excited because we see the big part of what the picture really looks like. And guess what? It just fits. You know, if there was a whole lot of pieces missing, we'd turn it left, we'd turn it right, we'd turn it upside down. We would work through all the details trying to get it to fit, and it wouldn't fit. Now, let me tell you what. For all of us to find our place, other pieces have to be assembled. Guess what? If this piece, if these one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, if these eight pieces are not assembled, guess what? That one never finds its spot. You can try all day. You can pray the heavens down. But until the other pieces around you get in place, that, piece, that, that will never come into the image has nothing to connect, connect to. It has nothing to attach to. It's almost the equivalent of a lost cause. So what does that mean, Pastor? Each of us have to plug in and be a part of what God is doing and what God wants. You know, the building of the church is a lot like the picture. How many of you, when you're building a real complex puzzle, you go back and you look at the picture, you're like, where in the world does this piece go? But let me tell you what, just like we have this picture to know what we're building, guess what? We have the scripture that tells us what we're building also in the church. We're not blind, but we have to go back to the blueprint. We have to go back to the template of what he says the church should be. What he says the church should look like. Because we need to know what the puzzle looks like. 
We need to know what the church that God's called to be victorious, uh, that the gates of hell will not overcome it. We need to know what that picture of that church looks like because that's what we're building. That's what we're doing. So this morning, you may be looking at your puzzle piece and you're holding on to it. You will never become all that God wants you to be unless you contribute yourself to the church cause. As long as you hold on to it, you say, man, and I'll tell you what. If you're in this church and you're this one missing puzzle piece and it's in your pocket, you better bring it. Come on. We have, we've done so much work. The hard work's done. All you have to do is just find your place. Plug in. The beauty and the magnitude of the church assembled as a whole is far more beautiful than your own independent piece. Let's look at this passage this morning, 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 26 in the NIV. It says, Even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. Verse 17, If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? Or if the whole body was an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every single one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And, and, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while the presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there would be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. And if one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. So when we look at this passage, we see a bunch of parts, the body, and we can look at the physical body and we can see, hey, here's a hand, here's a foot, here's a head, here's some ears. And we can see all of the parts, but one independent, separate from the body. How many of you know that doesn't do anything? It doesn't do any good. It is made to be part of the body. You have to realize that this morning. For you, you are meant to be part of the body. Not just passive, not on a shelf, being connected, being a part of the body. So this morning, we're going to look at three ways to discover your purpose. So number one, get in the game. That's what I'm telling you morning. Get in the game. So this means find something to do, your role. Commit to try something. And, and I'm not going to point fingers. I'm not going to say who's doing something, who's not doing something. You need to be a judge of what you're doing or not doing. You have to come to that reality for yourself. I could tell you, but it's just going to make you mad. Right? You have to figure it out. you got to be the genius in this equation and say, oh, I'm not helping. I start serving. And guess what? We're going to be really excited on the other side of it when you begin to serve. But what, what am I not talking about? I'm not talking about just showing up and sitting in a seat. Guess what? All y'all got that check mark. So I showed up, Pastor. Okay. Guess what? Don't feel bad when I say this. Everybody's doing that. Pastor, I give my tithes and offerings. You want me to give you the real reality? Some of you are doing that. Now, don't get mad. I ain't calling you out. 
Some of you are doing that. Pastor, I'm doing absolutely nothing. And if that's you, some may be doing that. Now, I'm not here to reprimand you. I'm not here to discourage you. I'm not here uh, to kick you out of the church, but I'm here to give you an encouragement to be a part of something great. We look at all these puzzle pieces. Each of them represent you. But if you hold on to your peace and you don't surrender it to the cause, you know, it's not so much for us, but do you realize we want the world to see the greatness of our God? And the only way we can do that is reflecting a church that God has called the church to be. By me participating, by you participating. What if I don't like the person I'm stuck against? Man, thank you, Jesus. You fit here, man. My bad, bro. We better get along. Got to get along because Pastor Noe said, I got to get in the game. You know, we don't know what it's going to look like, but we realize that there is strength in fitting where we're supposed to. You ever got so frustrated with a puzzle you tried to cram it in the wrong piece? Man, it's got to go there. Man, and if you, for, you got to force it, it don't fit. Man, it looks. If it don't fit, it doesn't fit. Right? You know why it doesn't fit and why it shouldn't be forced? Because God has determined where it goes. Me, I'm going to force that sucker. Say, how are you going to? Dad, the picture don't even match. Shut up. Right? You know, like get frustrated. You know, when I'm trying to put it together, but God has a beautiful, perfect masterpiece that he is creating. So we got to get in the game. 1 Corinthians 12, 24. God has put the body together. I didn't do it. Say, I don't believe in organized religion. Well, God did. I've heard that a lot lately, guys. I don't believe in organized religion. Hey, I was hurt by the church. I got me and God doing our own thing over here. And I kind of scratched my head. So, well, God put the body together and his idea was the church. So you're telling me you know better than God. Now, I don't tell them that because they're already mad at the church, and I don't want to make, make them any more of an enemy to the church. But I do know the benefits of being a part of the church. I do know the benefits of assembling together and, and creating something great among us. Now, I was thinking about getting in the game. Now, some people pay attention to the most critical parts, but how many of you know a team without the water boy is still a pretty rough team? Let's go out here and play soccer just for a minute, and the water boy don't show up. Where's the water? Oh, he decided not to show up. Man, I don't want to play without that water boy, right? What about the, the field trainer, the one that gets all the gear, gets everything ready? You know, it's like you, got, you, you, don't, you don't mow the grass, you don't get it ready. There are so many parts to being part of the game. I think we're being nearsighted. We don't see the big picture of the magnitude that, you know, if you don't see somebody doing your job, it's because that's your job, not theirs. But God has given us so many jobs, so many places to fit in. And I, I would challenge you, if you don't see it yet, even here at the church, maybe we're not doing it yet, but you're the one to start it. We're going to support you. We're going to help you. It's just i got to be my peace. i got to do what God has called me to do. I can't do everything. And I think that that has been the mindset of the church for a long time. You know what? All, all y'all just want to see my puzzle piece. Y'all get tired of looking at this little bitty puzzle piece? What I'm interested in is God seeing everybody's puzzle piece and the world seeing it and the church seeing it. It's like, man, saw Trey up here this morning. We saw Morgan up here this morning. You know, we see all these musicians up here this morning. We, you know, we've been on-ramping a lot to our worship department. That's super cool. I get so excited when people are trying new things or working in their gifting and are being challenged into stepping in what God has called them to. To me, that's more successful than just the ones that show up every week that know what they're supposed to be doing. Super exciting when new people figure it out. So every part 
needs to be played. Get in the game. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ to do good work, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Ephesians 2.10, do good work. The word do means to do something. It means to perform, to carry out, to undertake, or to execute. So you're telling me you're doing all of that from your seat. No, it's, it's really a passive role. So uh, I, I'm, I am challenging this morning to get involved in the game. Get plugged in. It's where you're going to thrive. There's no bench warmers in the kingdom. So you got to get to that place where there's no, in, no longer excuses. There's no exceptions. But guess what? We're going to configure it in a way where everybody gets to play. And you change the mindset of, oh, man, I have to play. You get to play. It is a privilege and an honor to get to glorify God in the works of my hands, in the service to the church, in serving and loving my brothers and sisters in Christ we got to change that mentality. It ain't like cutting the grass at your house. This is way different. This is service to the king. I'll tell you what, anytime I cut the yard here at the church, i got a different attitude than when I cut the yard at my house. Man, I start riding around on the mower, and I'm saying, Lord, I thank you we got these zero turns. Used to have that riding mower, and I heard they used to push mow this thing. Dear Lord Jesus, I ain't going to be on the mowing crew, but I'll do something else, Lord. I find gratitude. But what if that understanding of that it's not just in the four walls of the church, but everything I do, I do as, a, as honor to God. That I keep my flower bed picked clean. That's a lot of work, right? You ever done a flower bed? You know, it's, it's all fun and games till the weeds start coming back. But be faithful with that, saying, Lord, I'm going to be a good steward of this. I'm going to be a good steward of that. I'm going to be faithful to what you've given me. I'm going to do what, you know, because God's given me my home. I bought the house. I'm going to be faithful with it. Everything I do, I do is being part of, uh, of presenting the image of what the church should be. It's not just in the four walls. More what you do outside the four walls paints the picture of what the church is rather than what we do inside the four walls of the church. Like, oh, we praise on Sundays. Oh, if you curse Monday through Saturday, you're portraying the wrong thing to the world. Right? We've got to make sure that our lifestyle outside, that we're in the game all of the time. Commit to getting in the game, and I'm going to say this, today. Today, get in the game. Make a choice. Uh, quit making excuses of why you can't play. There, there are positions that will suit you pre-game, in the middle of the game, post-game, whatever. There's going to be an opportunity for you to get involved. Let the head coach coach. Guess what? That ain't me. That's God. Let him tell you what to do. You know, you see good coaches putting people in the right positions. They're like, oh, no, 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 you come over here, you try this position. Why? Because that coach knows best. He specializes in what he does. Well, I don't play that position. You do today. Why? The coach said so. And there's going to be moments like that. That, hey, you need to fill in here. Or what happens when someone's missing? Now guess what? i got to do something that maybe I'm not built for, and it's just going to be so-so. But how many of you know it's best to have the number one player in that spot? We'll get the best results. We want the A team playing. Remember in junior high, you had that A, B, and you had that C team. We don't want to be building a roster of C team, a C team church. We want an A team where every single person is thriving in their spot. But guess what? That can't happen unless you are in the game. You got to show up. You got to be ready. You got to participate. You got to be willing to get on the field. What if you don't know what to do? <laughs> Listen to the coach. Don't do that. Yeah, do that. Keep going. He'll tell you what to do. 
It's not a matter of us knowing what to do. It is our responsibility and our willingness to show up and get in the game. For those of you who are busy taking a water break, I know it happens. I know you get weary of playing the game. But get your water and get back on the field. The team is dependent on you. We need you to participate. We need you to play. So number one, get in the game. Discover what your role is and, and commit to try and find something to do. Can you say that? Say, find something to do. Man, y'all got to say it like you're excited. <laughs> like a kid cleaning, like a kid cleaning their room. I get to find something to do. All right? So get in the game. Find something to do. Number two, stay in the game. You know, uh, I played football, so I was a tough guy. Like, I mean, only time you're coming out of the game is if something's broke or something's bleeding. If it ain't broken, bleeding, don't say, whoa, man, I got a ding right here. I don't care. Play with the ding in your shoulder. Like, you're going to get busted up. The game is going to be hard. You'll figure out if you're built for it the first time you get hit. Now, if you play football, you know what that means. Oh, I want to play football. First time you get leveled by a big old linebacker or you get hit by somebody like, oh, man, that kind of hurt. And then you're going to be like, man, I don't want to play no more. Or, oh, I love it. Wait till I get you the next play. Right? We got to realize how we're built, what God has called us to. But we have to stay in the game. So let me tell you what. The church game, we don't get out. There's a lot of things we'll try. There's a lot of things that we'll, you know, because like right now we're at this phase of letting our kids kind of try everything. And we're figuring out what they're good at or what they're passionate about. But the things that they're not, we're not going to waste time keeping them involved in this thing. Now, there's a lot of things that we do, fishing, hunting, swimming, hiking, mountain biking. As long as it's flat, you go up a hill, mountain, mountain bike is horrible. Uh, but there, there's so many different variables. But it's finding out what we like. But let me tell you what, each of us need to stay in the game of the church life. I'm a church guy. I've always been a church guy. I was a church guy before I was a pastor guy. I love the church. There was so much excitement having, having a goal of of. of figuring out strategically a way to share the gospel and, and allow as many people as, as I could to come into the kingdom of God? Come on. I'm a business guy, too, so I love the, like, man, how many people can we share the gospel to? How can we strategically share the gospel? You know, talking about two services. Why are we doing two services? So we can have more people show up, and we, we're not limited by space or parking or whatever. Well, what, Pastor, well, well, how are we going to stay in relationship? Well, relationship is supposed to happen outside the four walls of the church, not just inside the four walls of the church. But staying in the game, you get accustomed to who you're playing with. You get accustomed to your teammates, Right? So we have to get in the game. Do you know that teams that learn to play together thrive? The more you do it, like if, if you know, uh, we saw it on the girls' soccer team, the reason they are so successful, they have played for years together. You know, and I watch them play, and I watch my daughter's team play, and it's like, like squirrels playing soccer <laughs> versus well-oiled machines. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know, like, and it's just, it's effortless. Like, it's like they know where they're going before they're there, and they pass it in front, and it's just like, man. It's just amazing. But a team that stays together and learns to play together, we will thrive. You know, you'll know when I'm doing something. You'll know when, we're, you know, we just, we just know what's happening, okay? 1 Corinthians 12, 24 through 25, it says, Giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body. God balances each of our roles and responsibilities in our jobs based on with the goal of making sure that there's no division. He makes us need each other. 
So the longer you stay in the game, the better you get as a team. God balanced out, out the gifts and allows success in life by learning, leaning on each other's strengths. You know, that is some of our church strategy. I don't want you doing anything that you're just mediocre with. We got too many people in our church to just stick with mediocre. If I'm a horrible preacher, I should not be preaching. Right? But if I'm phenomenal at something, I should be doing that, and I should know that that's where I should be thriving. That's, we want spe- people that specialize, not generalize. The status quo of our church is not going to be like, wow, look at me, I'm doing four things. No, what one or maybe two things are you doing exceptionally well, and we want to make sure you're doing those. That's my goal as a pastor in leading the church. And so let's say you get moved left or right. Well, don't be discouraged because we're just being strategic in what we're doing. You may be doing now what you've just always had to do because we didn't have the resources to put you in your best spot. You hear me on that? But then we got to find who is the best spot, who is gifted at that, who is called, who is passionate about that, and make sure that we're plugging those in accordingly. I've seen God really, really provide what we have need of as he builds the church. And I really believe that God gives me wisdom and direction in how to structure that. Who are the right people? Who are the wrong people? And guess what? If you're a kingdom-minded person, it don't matter where you play. It don't matter what you do. But guess what? We just want to all be on the same team, go in the same direction. And I'm going to get to the last point in just a minute. But the last one is that we win as a team. That's the whole goal, that we win. That, you know, we, we, we make hell empty. That we do all we can so that others might come to the knowledge of Jesus, okay? So God balanced it out. He gave us the gifts. He, he allows us to be successful in life by leaning on each other's strengths. 2 Corinthians 12, 10, it says, uh, For this is why, for Christ's sake, that I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardship, in persecution, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's grace is all sufficient. But you know what his grace looks like sometimes? bringing a brother or sister alongside me to balance out my weaknesses. He works through people, guys. He doesn't just, it's just not this like, oh, we're just going to show up and we're going to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants. The Holy Spirit needs participation of people. You can't just sit there and just like, all right, well, it's good. Right? If God gives you something to say, you got to say it. If God gives you a gift, you got to use it. If God shows you what to do, you need to do it. Right? It's not a passive approach. Two are better than one. But a team is even better than that. You look at that from Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. It says, two are better than one because they have a re- good return for their labor. If one of them falls down, one can help him up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help him up. So two are better than one, but a team is even better than two. Gives you more resources. It helps you work it out. Stay in the game. Gives you a better chance of winning. Um. My son played basketball this summer, and, man, his team wouldn't show up. They'd have the bare minimum. The five guys would run the whole game. You know what happens when you run the whole game? You get tired. You get weary. What happens when your teammates don't show up to practice? You don't get any better. They got busted up this season. Now, I'll tell you what, I give them all kudos because they t- played the whole game as hard as they could. They never quit, and they never good up, gave up. And let me tell you, that's the resilience of church folks. We don't give up. We run when there's only five in the game, and we play till we die. But how much better when the team shows up, and you come to practice, and we polish, and it's like, tag, man, you're in, you're in. And we always are running full of energy, full of intensity, and we're able to accomplish anything. 
It's a good thing, right? So you got to stay in the game. So number one, get in the game. Number two, stay in the game. And number three, celebrate winning together. Get in the game. Win the game. So others discover their place, and this is something that should be celebrated in the church. So it's exciting to discover your gifts and places that God has built for you. Um, but for me, like I said, I get super excited when I see others. I feel like I know what I'm supposed to be doing. And you're like, well, that's fine for you. But I'll tell you what really gets me excited is when you figure out what you're supposed to be doing and what God has called you to and what God is leading you to. So in order to thrive in your purpose, though, you will have to be teamed up with other people. Say, so if you say, I don't like people, man, yeah, you've got to ask God to change your heart. You've got to ask him to get along, you know, that you're able to get along. Now, there's some things that you can do that are kind of what I call behind the scenes or not really around people all the time. Um, but you're going to have to be around people. You're going to have to radiate the nature of Christ. Come on, act like you're saved if you are, you know. Shouldn't be something that you have to force to do. You know, I love people and I serve people because God loves people and God serves people. Because there's moments Pastor Noe gets to the end, he's just... I, I get frustrated, right? If we're helping someone or trying to, you know, encourage someone and they just aren't having it or they're not willing or they're not submitted or they're not teachable and they're not faithful. You know, I believe all of these things come in a new nature when we come to the understanding of who Christ is. We will naturally do a lot of those things. But we've got to be teamed up with other people. Uh, do you realize that in discovering your purpose that uh, if I win, guess what? You win. If you lose, I lose. And you've got to realize that we are all on the same team, and the way we score is working together. It's not working against each other. It's fighting for unity. It's, it's fighting for one goal and one purpose. Um, can you say this with me? Say, we are all in this together. All right, look to your left and look to your right real quick. Uh, don't get depressed. Say it one more time. We are all in this together. Some of y'all sitting on this side because y'all don't want to sit with the people over here. I know what's up. <laughs> We're all in this together. When we look at the church or we look at harvest time or we look at the body of Christ, <laughs> we get what we get and we can't throw a fit, right? You know, like we encourage our kids. You just got to get along. You got to get with it. You got to assess your resources and put them to work. But let me tell you what, we are in this to win. We're not in this to fail. 1 Corinthians 12, 26, it says, If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, then every part rejoices with it. What you do affect, or what I do affects you, and what you do affects me. Or the lack thereof. If I do nothing, you get nothing. If I do a lot, you get a lot, right? You know, it equally affects each other. Um, so as we come to the knowledge of Christ, we are now part of God's big family. It's something that we're connected with. Uh, in Luke 8.20, it says, Someone told him, they were talking to Jesus, says, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to see you. And he replied, My mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and put it into practice. Now, this is pretty bad because if mama shows up and I just say, Oh, no, I'm talking to my church folk. Come on. But he was pointing out that there was going to be a new standard. The new family of God was going to be those that heard God's word and what? Put it into practice. So you're in a tough predicament this morning because you have heard, now it's up to you to do something. 
It's up to you. You can't say, well, Pastor, no, he never told me to serve or to get plugged in or be a part of the team or get in the game or stay in the game or, hey, let's all be determined to win. You can close your ears and go, man, I don't want to hear it. But you've heard it this morning, so now it's up to you. What are you going to do with what you've been told? What are you going to do with what you've been encouraged in? Are you going to put it into practice? We are all parts of God's family, and we hear God's word, and we put it into practice. We do what the word says. You know, there's so many one another's in Scripture. Love one another. Forgive one another. Carry one another's burdens. Well, you can't do that if you're in, on the island of singleness. How are you going to carry somebody else's burden if you're by yourself? That's why the Lone Ranger, the I'm just going to do my own thing, the unorganized, it just doesn't really make sense because you can't fulfill what the Word demands without people involved in your life. You can't forgive somebody if you're never around people and never put yourself in the likelihood position of getting offended. The command to forgive and not remain offended is there because God knows when you're around people, you're going to get offended and you can hold the offense. But he says to always forgive. You know, um, how do we celebrate with each other when we win together? Romans 12, 15 through 18 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of lower position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So this is really saying, can't we all just get along? How many of you have seen drama or heard drama or you've been drama in the church? Uh-huh, I didn't like that last one, Pastor. You know, sometimes the biggest issue is You. Because if my heart is right, I can survive in any condition. I don't care where you put me. Because it's not, it's not hinging on everybody else. It's, it's, but it says get along with everybody as long as it depends on who? Me. Not everybody else. Well, you don't understand. Oh, I understand. I've been around some pretty rough people. I've been around people that are not contributing, but they're trying to tear apart. We've got to fight for that. So God in his graciousness has given us great gifts. And he's revealing those to us, I believe, today. I believe that there's some of you even in the room that right now God has just already instructed you in what you need to do. If you're on a water break, that's fine. But it's time to start serving. It's time to get involved. Go big or go home. You know, God didn't call us to a mamsy-pamsy gospel that didn't matter and wasn't going to cost us our lives. He called us to a call that's going to be radical that's going to be extravagant, that's going to be costly. But he also promised that it'd be worth it. He says, for you to gain the whole world, you have to lose your life. You have to lose this middle identity and be willing to contribute it to the big picture of what he wants to build. When I surrender my peace and I put it to the cause, that's saying, Lord, my life is no longer my own. But as you see fit, put me where you want. Can I challenge you with something this morning? You know, I've been talking to some of my leaders. And uh, just talking about targeting some people. Let me just leave it at that. About serving. And uh, the the leader got defensive and said, they're serving. You know, They're serving in child care. 
And you know what God showed me? There is so much more potential in some of those young ladies than just childcare. What I'm seeing is those deep gifted and call those gifts and those callings that they have within them to be great. Let's not just settle for what we've always done or what we think is enough. You know, it's just saying like, hey, I can be a father just by having kids. No, I'm a father by raising kids. Any, any father can have a kid. It takes a real father to raise a kid. And when we step into that calling of what God has given us, we see that greatness. I'm amazed every time I challenge myself to, to really father my children well that God gives me something. We were at the lunch table, and Becky was talking about how in Jewish tradition, they use table time to discuss the things of God. I was like, man, we're just trying to eat our food and make sure we're not playing on phones and get in and out as quick as possible. So I said, man, it's a good idea, Becky. And I said, you know, why does God put scriptures in the Bible? Oh, I don't know. Is it because he's a mean guy or is it because he loves us and cares for us? And, you know, we, man, it turned into this huge, awesome conversation. But it took us being proactive. It took us taking the initiative. Guess what? It required me to do something. How many of you know there's that temptation just to have a good meal that you didn't have to cook? You can get the appetizers, you keep your cup full, and you can get in and get out, and you do not even engage with anyone at the table. Fathers, we've been there, we've done that. So we have one of two choices. We can stay passive and do nothing, or we can engage and change the whole atmosphere and cause some great things to come out of there. Conversation really was cool because told my kids, I said, you think all those instructions are there because God loves us or he's just a mean guy? He says, no, Daddy, I think they're there because he loves us. So, oh, yeah, we're moving in the right direction now. Because if I can read God's scripture with an understanding that God loves me and cares for me and he knows best, then I can be very, very successful. I'm going to ask you a few questions to ask yourself in closing this morning. I'm going to pause on each question because I really, really want you to think about these questions for you personally. Don't look left, don't look right, don't answer these for your, your husband or your wife. Answer these for yourself. Number one, what am I doing to serve the Lord as part of the body of believers? What am I doing to serve the Lord as part of the body of believers? Now, if you respond with a question mark, with that question mark, you've got to answer that question. Number two, what do I need to start doing that the Lord is leading me to do? Maybe it's just never been a good time. Maybe the stars haven't aligned like you wanted or whatever, right? The best time to start something that God is leading you to is right now. What do I need to start doing that the Lord is leading me to do? Number three, what gifts have I been given but I have failed to use? And with that question, I want you to identify the reason. Is it fear? Is it insecurity? Or is it doubt? What gifts have I been given but have failed to use? Number four. This question is exclusively for Harvest Time Church members. I have your membership covenant in my office. You're counted as a member of the church. This question is for you. Are you serving on an impact team, a ministry team, 
or attending a group yet? I say yet because there's still time. It's not like it's game over. But are you on an impact team? Are you on a ministry team? Are you attending a group yet? You realize that is a church expectation. If you miss that in the new membership, I can re-sign you up for for a repeat. It's an expectation. How many of you knows it works best, though, when you decide to be a part? I don't want to force nobody. And for you church members that haven't plugged in, when plugging into these areas, that is where you begin to thrive. Now, there's a lot of you that serve. We look at our numbers. We look at our trends. We look at all those. But I, I want to do something. Before, before we get out of here, if, if you say, Pastor, I never have served. I want to serve. We have impact team cards in the back. Eman, can we make sure that we get some? They should be on that back or right here. Fill one of those out. Or you say, I have no clue what I want to do. Pastor, I want to get in the game. Sign me up. Now, guess what? This works for non-members, too. So if you're here this morning and you want to contribute and you want to be a part of the big picture of what God is building in his kingdom of the church, just sign up and say, Pastor, wherever you need me, whatever I want. Or you're like, big question mark. You know what, we're, we're smart in this church. I'm not being arrogant, but let me tell you what. If I put you somewhere that you hate, guess what? We're smart enough to move you somewhere else. But how do you know if you've never done anything? Tell you what, when I was young, I figured out I did not like soccer. It's a big boy running like that wasn't for me. Thinned out a little bit when I was playing football, but I was like, man, it's running the whole time. Forget this. These footballs, I can, I can huddle every now and then, take, take a breather, right? So we want to plug you in into what God has called you to specifically. By doing that, that is the way we will build the church that God says the gates of hell will not overcome it, is by each person taking their stand, taking their post, being where they're supposed to be. Now, what we have to have that's, that's consistent is we all have to have the same goals. We all have to save, have the same vision. Man, we all got to be going the same direction. And I hope that today you activate these gifts and you start using them to impact the kingdom. You guys stand up with me. I'm not here to bust you up, but I am here to be a little bit of a catalyst of pressure because I know that even in my life, I would not be the man that I am today if I didn't have people in my life challenging me to pursue and be all that God has called me to be. But I tell you what, you getting plugged in, you know who it benefits the most? You. We get benefits, right? It's it's a cool thing when we see a lot of people serving. A lot of us are receiving the byproduct of a lot of people serving in the church. You know what, as, as a pastor, I think it's twofold. I think that there's a willingness of people to serve. But then I think there is a responsibility on us to teach you to serve well. You know, I, I was looking through our membership roster and kind of going through the list. And I was like, man, like. Would I be confident this person doing this, 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 or this? And, you know, part of me was like, man, no, you know, on some of them. I ain't telling you whose names I was looking at, but I was concerned of two things. Uh, One is, man, they're not really here that often. 
where I could plug them in faithfully, consistently, where they could really be a part. But then you know what the second thing that humbled me the most? I didn't feel like I equipped them to serve in a great capacity and be successful anywhere. That's important to me, right? That we train you and we equip you and we help you be all that God has called you to be. So when I see every single one, he's like, man, they can help with that, or they can serve right there, or hey, that's their gifting. And that's elders, that's ministry leaders across the board. We need to be in life groups, life group leaders. We need to begin to see those giftings and callings where we know to pl- where to plug people in. But I'll tell you what, you know why sometimes people don't thrive? Because they've never been given a chance. Well, let me tell you what, in God's kingdom, and you've got to hear this, everyone gets to play. Everybody gets to play. All you got to do is show up and get in the game. Show up and get in the game. So between you and the Lord, I want you to ask the question, do I need to get in the game? Do I need to get in the game? And if that answer is yes, we do have those those impact team cards. Amen. Somebody in the bed, we got them. Um. Can I get you to bring them up front, and I want you to lay some right here on the front. Uh, if you've never filled one of those out, fill one of those out, put it in the box, and we'll figure out how to get you plugged in. I don't want to be the reason you don't get to serve. And if it's been two or three weeks and nobody's contacted you or nobody said nothing to you, come tell me. Well, I'll go to headhunt and figure out who ain't contacting you that's supposed to be contacting you. We want to give you the opportunity to serve. We want to give you an opportunity to thrive in what God has called you to. How many of you would try if you knew you wouldn't fail? That should be everybody, right? <laughs> I would try if I knew I wouldn't fail. Well, guess what? With God on our side, guess what? We are guaranteed to not fail. But what do we have to do? We've got to try. It's kind of a loaded question. God will not allow us to fail, but we have to yield ourselves to Him. And next week, we're going to look at how to develop those gifts. It's one thing to know we have them. We know it's important for God to show us what we're supposed to do, but we're going to figure out the key to developing all those gifts that God has given us. Amen? How many of you want to know that secret? What's in the fourth box? You've got to come back next week. Figure out. Let me pray over you. Lord, I thank you for each one here. Lord, I thank you that there is a discovery happening with the gifts and callings of God in this place, in this moment. Lord, I pray against the lies of the enemy and, and, and the, uh, what he has said that your children are. Father, that they would be given a new identity today. Father, that they would know what they're supposed to do and they would get in the game and step into the purpose that you've called them to. Lord, I thank you that those that are already in the game, Lord, I pray that they would stay in the game. In Jesus' name, I, I proclaim that we got reinforcements coming. And Father, that we would be able to play the game well and not just play the game, God, but that we would have the ability to win. Lord, I know everybody wants to be on the winning team. So, Father, I know it's going to be something that is contagious, something that we have to be continually strategic in how to plug people in. But, Father, I pray that you would give us the wisdom and bandwidth to do all of that. Lord, I pray that you'd bless each one here. Father, I pray for every father in the room that you would allow them to be all that you've called them to be. Lord, I pray for the insecurities and fear of failures in the areas they know nothing about. I pray for all heavenly wisdom to be released to them in, in the diligence of their children. Father, I pray that you'd also remind the fathers in the room that you're a father for a lifetime. Father, just because they're grown doesn't mean that they should not be a voice in their children's lives. So, Father, I thank you for what you're doing. 
Lord, uh, I thank you for the honor and the privilege to allowing me to be a father to my children. But Father, I thank you that we are loved by the best father. And Father, that you want us to be all that we can be, nothing more and nothing less. Father, we can't be whatever we want to be. But God, we can definitely be all that you've called us to to be. Father, I pray each person under the sound of my voice is blessed today. And as they go from this place, they sense your presence. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. Pray that you keep working in our lives, working in our church. Father, I pray that we would be a light on a hill that is shining for all the world. Lord, I thank you for those that are already being used by you mightily. And Father, I pray that all of us would step into our gifting and calling. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.